Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. Well, this morning we're continuing uh, a series that we started last week titled A Wink from God. And I know it's a very curious title for many people. How many of you were here, well, not here, but in service last week? Okay, so a better way of doing it is how many people were not? Okay, all right. Well, then I have to explain a little bit about the wink so that you'll understand where that comes from. Um, Basically, because I really don't have time to review because there's so much that I want to share with you today. So if you're a ministry of helps and you missed it, or even if you're not, if you have a smartphone, you can go to our podcast and you can get last week's message, which will fill you in on a lot. But the general thing for you to understand where I'm going with it is that we all know and love God. That's why you're here, because you could have done something else with your Sunday morning. But I want to encourage you to not just look at God as some distant person in your life that you run to when there's a challenge. And, you know, of course he's sovereign. Of course we are going to treat him with complete reverence as we should. But I want you to be in remembrance of the fact that you were created to fellowship with him. That's why he created man to begin with. And when you fellowship with someone, you get comfortable enough to recognize them. And if you spend any time, and I mentioned this last week, if you spend time with someone for a period of time, without realizing it, you start to pick up some of their phraseology, some of their expressions, just because you become that comfortable with them. Well, our Father has set a banquet table for us, so to speak, because if you hang around here at all, you will definitely be fed rich, rich word. So he wants you to sit at that table and become comfortable and fellowship with him. And when you seek his face, literally seek his face, you may find that he does something very personal just for you. And that something very personal can come across simply as a wink that's meant just for you. And I gave the example, say for instance, if someone were to come into this, I'm up here teaching, I would love to run over and give them a hug. I can't do that. But I want to acknowledge that I saw them, I may give them a wink. It's something that's very, very personal. And God gives us winks all the time. We just sometimes don't realize it. And the purpose of this lesson is to bring it close to you, for you to be able to see, oh my goodness, he's been winking at me all the time. Because that makes it extra, extra special. So we're going to continue doing that today. (laughs) And I also said, I can't talk about any of you, because then, you know, (laughs) we get letters, people get challenges. But I could talk about me all the time. (laughs) I mean, I can make myself look how I am, very authentic. And it's okay. So I chose to do that because the other thing that I shared, because all of us who've been around this ministry for a while and many of us who, most of us are here because of the teaching ministry of Apostle Frederick Casey Price, one of the things that he taught and continues to teach us is that we can learn experientially through someone else. You can learn from some of the silly things I may or may not have done. So that's why I am really willing to expose them and share them to you. So last week we had a lot of fun with some of the stuff (laughs) that I did share, but today I want to share a couple of things that hit home a little bit, a little bit differently. One of them that I want you to think about is there may be times in your life where it seems like everything is just going along really well. And you're happy, you know, it's just like everything is humming along and you're content and all is well. And then all of a sudden, you are hit with a challenge that kind of really gets your attention. Has that happened to anyone before? Oh, really? Oh, I'm not the only one. (laughs) Well, I will submit if you uh, truly, truly are a believer, you will encounter storms. And sometimes you might have peacetime where there is no storm, but then every now and then you'll get one of those storms. Well, 
In February of 1993, I had such a storm because my house caught on fire. And you've heard me tell this story before, so I'm not going to go into all the details of it because that's not the point. I want you to see the winks I got through this experience. Turn with me to Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 in the New King James Version. Sometimes God will, well, the Holy Spirit we know will always tell you of things to come. In this particular instance, that's exactly what he did. I woke up that morning and I was led to go to Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. Now, sometimes you may pick up your Bible to read it and you're not led to go to a specific scripture. You choose it, you know, you can choose it. But this morning, this is what I really was instructed to read. So starting with verse 1 of Isaiah 43, in the New King James Version, it says, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. So I read that and I'm like, okay, but it was one of those scriptures that I could not get out of my mind all day. I just meditated on that scripture. So then, of course, when the house caught on fire, and again, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but... Well, I guess I have to, otherwise it doesn't make sense. Anyway, that night, I, my daughter, I usually put in the nursery to go to sleep because she was an infant at that time. And Stan was working, so he came home late. That wasn't unusual. The unusual part was he came home like a little after 11 o'clock at night. Normally, I would have changed out of my clothes and gotten into something more comfortable. I was fully dressed, even with shoes on. That makes no sense. I don't even do that when I go home now. First thing that comes off is shoes. You know, you get comfortable. I was uncomfortable at 11 o'clock at night. Now, why do I know it was 11 o'clock so well? Because there used to be a show that came on called Arsenio Hall, and he came on at 11 o'clock. Okay, we all know that, right? So I knew the timing. So Stan comes in. I had already prepared his food. It was in the microwave. He goes in. He took a shower. He goes in to, to get his food. And he hears this crackling sound. Now, I heard the crackling sound, too. I'm like, okay, whatever. But in my kitchen, well, it was kind of, well, whatever. In my kitchen, for lack of a better term, there was this bubbling on the ceiling. So we're like, what in the world is that? So he opens the back door, because we had a back door that leads out onto a deck. And he saw the flames of fire. It was almost like a backdraft kind of effect. Now, here's when I knew something was wrong. He called out, like, think of Ozzie and Harriet or a show like that. And he goes, Iva, I think we have a challenge. I knew right then, <laughs> this is not my husband. Something is seriously wrong. So he goes, runs down the steps, because he's thinking he's going to help put out this fire. That makes sense. OK, but it was February. He gets the garden hose. It's frozen. That's not going to work. So then it was just, it was really something, because you have to move. You know how you have to move so fast because you don't have time to think of anything? So I'm trying to figure out, OK, we got to get the kids out the house, everybody sleep. So you know they're fine. They're, they're getting out. And I'm trying to get on the phone to the operator. I remember, I'm constantly trying to get on the phone. The phone, because we have wireless phones and all the rest of this stuff, some of the wires must have fried because the, the actual fire started in my attic. So I'm like, oh my goodness. I remember, it's funny how you remember the things that your parents tell you. My mother used to tell me years ago when you had those old-fashioned phones, just keep pressing the button, the operator will come on. And I kept doing that. And I got an operator. And I explained to her, my house is on fire. I need to get the fire department. You've got to get here. So she's like, OK. I said, no, no, no. I really, I have to get here. She could actually connects me 
to the fire department in the wrong county, a different county than where I lived. And they're like, well, we can't help you. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. You know how you get to a point where it's like, you're gonna make them understand? I'm like, I have five children, my house is burning, I don't give a care about the county, you get somebody here now. So to make a long story short, they came, it was wonderful, we stood outside, my neighbors are crying and they're going through all their changes. I'm totally at peace. Totally, which is God. I'm totally just sitting there watching the pictures of the kids burn up and fall on the ground, all of that. But here's why I had peace. My husband was fine. My children were fine. I was fine. Houses can be rebuilt. Things can change. But people? So to me, I was like, it's fine. And this is why to this day I keep encouraging people to always know and all the importance, excuse me, of the music ministry. Because the Sunday before then, there was a song that was ministered by a person where it kept saying that God would provide, he would provide. I heard that song while I was watching my house burn, knowing he would provide. And he did. We ended up having to go to a neighbor's house because we had nowhere to sleep. This was the middle of the night. She opened up her house to us. And the rest of it, really, there were a lot of details. Again, I can't go into all the details. I'm sure you'll hear it in some other teaching. But the point was, it just... It was just wonderful to know that God was going to take care of everything. Now, here's the, where the wink comes in. When the house burned down, we had a typical high ranch house, which is really, some people want to know what is a high ranch. It's a ranch house on two floors. So basically, we had a four-bedroom house, one and a half baths. And actually, I was happy with that because I had wanted that house since I was nine years old. Because the funny story is, I grew up living on top of a funeral home, a whole nother story. But my girlfriend moved into a high ranch when I was nine, and I loved her house. So I always said, oh, I want a high ranch when I grow up, so got a high ranch. But we, Stan and I, would always talk about things we wanted to do to improve the house. You know, because you do that. And we had figured out this design that was really going to be wonderful, but we were like, we're, you know. It's nice to dream. You always should dream. And you should discuss your dreams. Because when you do that, you're putting it out into the earth realm, right? For the Holy Spirit to start working on your behalf. Well, that's what happened with this. We didn't know that's what was going to happen with it. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for our good. Because what happened was... We decided, okay, we're going to take the insurance money, we're going to rebuild the house, and Stan is going to become the general contractor. Now, hear about, listen to this. He was a commercial painter. He was never a general contractor up to this point. So this is a real interesting thing to take on. Because the insurance company gives you X amount of dollars, and that's it. So if you mess up or botch it up, that's it. So if you think you're going to build this mansion and you end up with some little hut on the side that looks like who would have thought, they don't care. That's what you get. But we trusted God. And we, he listened to the Holy Spirit. And we ended up taking this four-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house, turning it into a six-bedroom, four-bathroom house with the design that we had been talking about for years before. That was a wink from God. In addition to that, he ended up adding to his commercial painting business as a general contractor. Because after that, he started doing the same thing for other people that he did for us, which added a whole nother dynamic, which meant it was a whole nother wink from God. So I say that to you because God is listening to you. He hears you. He's paying attention. Just you keep seeking his face and looking for that wink. <clears throat> now, I learned that the more I fellowshiped with God, the more I could expect more winks. <laughs> I moved, like I had said before, I was so shy when I first was born again that I would just kind of like stand in the dining room where this banquet table was. Well, I got to the point where I was like getting closer to the, to the table, feeling like, okay, I can be here now. So you may have concerns about things also in your life that you're trying to work on, that you're trying to improve. Guess what? God hears that, he knows that, and he pays attention to that as well. One of the things that I needed to work on was discernment. 
and I knew that I did. Because I'll give you an example. I, was, I am a type of person that I'm very giving by nature. I just like to give to people. That's just who I am. But you have to be discerning in how you do that because all that you have belongs to God. So therefore, you need to make sure you're planting your seed in good ground, not just scattering it all over the place. So I, I needed work with that. So I'm going to give you an example of something that I did. I was here leaving on a Tuesday, and I had $20 in my pocket. Now, I always have emergency money because we live so far away, you have to always make sure you have train fare, some kind of fare to get where we live. But you're not allowed to touch that emergency money. That's like I cut all of my kids, we all know you can't do that. So I had $20. Now, Stan would probably be upset that I only had $20, but that's what I had. And I had made an agreement with the Lord years ago after I stopped working my corporate 500 job that I didn't want to go run to my husband every time I needed money. That was just something I didn't want to do. So I was like, Lord, you're supposed to handle that. And that, I mean... <laughs> The conversations I have with God, believe me, are funny. But you know what he did? Because Stan would always come, and he still to this day will come and say, how much money do you have? And he'll just give me money, which I thought was great. So he, But this time, I don't know, I only had the $20, right? So I go outside. I'm getting ready to catch a train. Now, for those of you who know me with the train, when I go, I'm out, okay? But this man stopped me, and he said he needed something to eat. And he tells me this whole story. He just got here from the islands, and he really didn't have any food. Could I give him something? You know, and I'm like, okay, well, Lord, I can't leave the man here like this. Now, I'm thinking in my mind, he can just go right next door to Burger King. Because, you know, you can get a meal at Burger King. They were running some special or something. I'm like, I can get him a meal for, like, under $10. That'll be fine. He tells me, oh, no, I don't want to go there. So, so to go to this little, it, it used to be, it's not there now. It was on the corner where you can go in and you buy your food by the pound. He went in and takes this tray and starts filling up his stuff. Anyway, the point was it came to $13.78. Now, why do I know this? Because I was like, I have $20 and it's $13.78. And then what made it so bad, the nice lady at the counter told me off. She scolded me, and she's telling me, how foolish are you? Why would you do that? You never do. And I said, okay, but I, I was just really trying to be helpful. But she made me feel so stupid. And I was like, Lord, I was just trying to help this man. And you know I wasn't going to go home and tell Stan. <laughs> All I could hear was like, well, you shouldn't have had 20. You know, so I was like, oh, Lord. So I just said, Father, Forgive me, help me with this. Because I didn't mean, I was just literally trying to help. Because, oh, this is what made it so bad. I then come out of the store, and I'm still thinking, well, okay, maybe the man, you know, and he did put a lot on that, in that plate. <laughs> he then puts the plate over on the side of this thing and then goes and tells the same story to somebody else. So I then realized he just ripped you off, which really made me feel bad. So I just prayed about it. I asked the Lord to help me, and this is how God is. That was on a Tuesday, right? I came in on Thursday for Bible study. At the end of Bible study, somebody walked up, shook my hand, and in it was a $20 bill. I was like, yes! Thank you. That to me was a wink from God because he knew my heart. I wasn't trying to not be a good steward. So I continued. I said, Lord, I really want to get better at this because I've been known to just give away stuff. So another time I'm in a shopping center after this by my house and this man comes up to me on a bike and he asked me for $2 because he wanted to get something to eat. Now I'm standing there talking to him and I'm really trying to be discerning. And I said, okay. I said, but $2, you can't really get anything to eat for $2. So I gave him $10. And I was like, okay, Lord, now, if I messed up on this, I really tried to listen to you. I watched this man ride off on his bike and disappear. That, to me, 
was a wink from God because that was God allowing me to see you listen to me. That man was an angel. He literally disappeared in front of my eyes. I was like, thank you, Lord. And I share that with you only for this reason. Of course, we know you never know you could be entertaining angels unaware, but you need to know that God really does hear you. He really does care about you, and he really will meet you where you are. But you need to look for those wings. Now, at this point, I've shared some pretty simple things, and hopefully you've gleaned something from it. However, I know that many of us have grown through some storms, or perhaps you may be in the midst of one right now. Would you agree that as you focus your attention on God and strive to live righteously, that it seems as if the storms become a little bit more challenging? Well, I'm going to share something that perhaps you can relate to. Now, I chose this particular example because, believe me, if I set up and tell you all the storms and different things in my life, we could be here at least for another few years. So I have to be selective, okay? But this particular one, it hits on where you have to exercise your faith for a physical challenge as well as a financial challenge. And that's something that from time to time many of us have to relate to. So that's why I chose this particular one. You may not realize this, but quite a few years ago, statistics showed that one out of every four babies were born less than perfect, according to the world standard. Now, we know that only one perfect man walked the earth, and that was Jesus. So I'm really not a fan of that phraseology of perfect. I don't particularly care for it, but this is what they tell you statistically. Now, the point is that babies are born every day. And parents do not always realize that there are some challenges lying ahead regarding that child's development. You know, they just, because we believe all the stuff they tell us. You know, you have this beautiful baby. Oh, wonderful. You may bring the baby home and find out that the baby has a challenge hearing or the baby may have a challenge eating or just a myriad of other little things that can come up. Now, you may ask, why am I, you know, <laughs> bringing this up at this point? Because... I can't talk about you, like I said before, but I can certainly share my life. A person who is growing through nurturing a child with challenges that are considered different from the average child, they have been faced with asking themselves some authentic questions. They may not tell you that, but trust me, they do. The interest, interesting thing to me is that no one ever seems to want to speak about it but rather they just look at it negatively, the same way they do other challenges. You know, just like we live in a culture that if a person is dealing with depression or any type of mental illness, it's looked at negatively. Yet and still, you can tell them that a person is an alcoholic or a person has cancer and they're so compassionate. Any type of sickness or thing that is, is, is causing an attack or a misfiring of a system, it should all be treated with the same compassion. However, we don't generally do that. You can look at the face of a parent who is growing through something with their child and you can see the hurt sometimes. But you've gotta look for it, you've gotta pay attention. So my heart always goes out to each and every parent who is growing through a time such as this and I'm sharing my story to hopefully encourage each and every one of you, including them. You see, two of our children were born and deemed less than perfect and would require surgical attention by a surgeon who had to be extremely specialized in his field. Now, when you thrust into a storm such as this one, not once but twice, Trust me, you start to question everyone and everything. For me, I started questioning, did I carry them wrong? Like maybe I should have eaten something different when I was pregnant, or maybe I should have rested more, or what, you know, you just automatically start thinking, I messed up, where did I miss it? How come I didn't do what I was supposed to do? And then it's like, Lord, but twice? Two times? Why? You know, and, and you really want to know. And always 
always know you've got the enemy doing what? Giving you thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, and he will let you wallow in that for a long time. And he will even add some more things to it. And then on top of that, you can get input from others. I remember somebody calling me in the hospital telling me, well, this happened to you because of pride. Oh my gosh, I was crushed. Because I'm like, pride? Are you kidding? Where did that come from? And then you have to learn that, okay, that was something that the person was injecting. They didn't know what they were talking about. That didn't come from the Holy Spirit. It was not pride. It had nothing to do with that. Then you have to learn to forgive them for coming at you and realize that, yes, the enemy will use anybody. And he tends to use people sometimes the closest to you to give you this kind of ridiculous intel. So you have all of this going along. Then you, you're a Christian. You're born again. You're spirit filled. You're serving God. How is this happening to you? So you then have to ask, why God did you allow it? All of these are questions. You see, people don't like to talk about that, but (laughs) that's why I guess I get the assignment. I'm always the one that pushes the envelope, but I don't mind because if it's going to help anybody else, I will do it gladly. Well, for me, I carry guilt for many years because I couldn't figure out. I just, I didn't have an answer. I really needed to know what it was. So turn with me to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And we're gonna look at verses 18 through 20. Hebrews six, verses 18 through 20. I want you to see this. In the New King James Version, starting with verse 18, are you there? Okay, it says, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, this is why I am the translation girl, okay? Because that sounds nice, but I need a further clarity. So if you go over to the Amplified, which always has the qualifiers, it says it this way. So that by two unchangeable things, because immutable is not a word everybody is accustomed to or knows, but unchangeable you can relate to, okay? So that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. This hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul, it cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. So I press the pause button. So it does not matter what kind of physical diagnosis you may have given, been given. It doesn't matter what they may speak over your child and say about your child. It does not matter because this says that it doesn't and you've got to be willing to stand anchored willing to go to the gates of hell and fight for it that's what you've got to be willing to do this word has to become that real to you for you to get the result that you want too often we give up too often we just accept it don't ever do it don't ever do it Back to this, a safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, the most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells, where Jesus has entered in advance as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you didn't get that, this is perfect. This is the message, and it says, when God made his promise to Abraham, He backed it to the hilt, putting his own reputation on the line. He said, I promise that I'll bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them so that there is so that if there is any question that they'll make good on the promise the authority will back them up when god wanted to guarantee his promises he gave his word a rock solid guarantee god can't break his word and because his word cannot change the promise is likewise 
unchangeable. We who have run for our lives, our very lives to God, have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. That, to me, let me know beyond a shadow of a doubt. No matter what it looks like, no matter what we're being told, I've got a hope. I'm going to hold on to it, and I refuse to let it go. Now, on top of this, if you think that was not enough, <laughs> we didn't have health insurance at the time. And when we got it, they would not accept it for the children because their conditions were considered pre-existing. So you see, with the pre-existing condition, the insurance doesn't really mean anything. So what did we do? We prayed, and we asked God to deliver us out of this situation. We were very specific in our prayer. Now, this is what I need you to see, because you hear me talk about this all the time, but I, I'm giving you a lot, but I want you to catch it. When you pray, you are planting seed. There has to elapse time when you've planted that seed for you to receive the harvest. There's gonna be some gnashing of teeth sometimes at night during that time process. But you have to understand, joy cometh in the morning, that's when the harvest comes. When you pray, there is nothing that tells you how long that time is going to be. It doesn't tell you that. We don't pray and it says, okay, in such and such a date, you're going to get your harvest. And what too many of us do is we give up because we're tired of waiting. But what I want you to see in this is that God is working during that time process. He's working things out for you as long as you don't give up. So during this time, remember I said we need to have a specific specialized surgeon to take care of these children. Now, we, could, we went to doctor after doctor, hospital after hospital, you name it, we went. None of them could touch us with a 10-foot pole. We prayed. The seed was planted. As the time was elapsing, we did what we knew to do. But God was doing things on our behalf. During this time, the perfect surgeon a world-renowned surgeon, a surgeon that to this very day is world-renowned anywhere in the earth realm, they know his name, he decided to take our case. Now, that's great. How are we going to pay for it? Okay, let's ask the next thing. But when we prayed and we planted that seed, we were also specific in, God, you've got to meet that need. You already know the situation, okay? He heard us. So just because we find this wonderful, well-renowned surgeon and we don't know how we're going to pay for it, we don't start talking, saying, oh, well, I don't know how we're going to pay. We're like, thank you, Lord. We thank you and praise you that the need is met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Because remember, his word will never return unto him void. Your words will. So don't speak your words. Shut your mouth. Only speak his word. So that is what we did. Personally, I needed a wink from God, okay? I needed one. I don't know, maybe y'all, <laughs> I needed one. So I needed it for a lot of different reasons. So in this process, we had to go to an endocrinologist because the endocrinologist, you know, gets to the real bottom line of why things happen and blah, blah, blah. And that visit was my wink from God because I was released from all guilt because the endocrinologist proved to me it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with Stan. It was the fact that our DNA together created this misfiring. It, you know, it just, there was nothing that we could have done different to prevent it. So then I was like, okay, God allowed this still for a reason. I didn't know the reason really yet. But it's like, okay, God, I got it. I can now get rid of this guilt. I'm just going to continue to focus on you and believe that we are going to receive our victory. So harvest time was right there because the surgery went well. And two children were in surgery, one right after the other. Now, let me tell you something. That right there requires a lot of faith and strength, too, because that is not an easy thing. And they were in the hospital for almost a month. 
That is not an easy thing because, oh, believe me, very interesting time. But here was another huge wink from God. I mean, we were happy with that harvest, really, right there. The surgeon, out of the kindness of his heart, but God, okay, decided to reduce his cost as a professional courtesy. That was a true, true wink from God. Now keep in mind, even with him doing that with the hospitalization, like I said, they were there for almost a month, we had a hospital bill of over $150,000. Now, that may not seem like a lot to you, but this was back over 30 years ago. So that was a lot, okay? You take that and add it up till now, whatever, it was a lot of money. So we still had that original prayer. That seed was planted. We saw part of the harvest, but the harvest wasn't complete. So what do you do? You still don't give up. So I made arrangements with the company to pay $50 a month. Now that is almost laughable. You owe $150,000. What is $50 a month going to do? But the point was I did it. I was consistent with it. So God honored the fact that I was. I, I did. So this one month, though, I was running a little late. <laughs> so I figured let me call them because it's not going to be there exactly on the day. So I just want to let them know because I don't want to mess up my record because I had done this for about a year and a half, okay? So I called them and here was another interesting thing that happened. There was a fire in their office. All of the records were destroyed. Now this was before they had computer records. So therefore they said to me, we can't accept your payment. We don't know how to apply it. I said, but what does that mean? Does that, what, what does that mean? It means that your debt is canceled. I slid down on the floor. Don't tell me God does not hear you when you plant your seed of prayer. Don't give up. So I also learned a valuable lesson in that. God entrusted these dear precious children to us because he knew that we would be the right parents for them. He created each of us and he is the only giver of life. He knew how we would react with every single obstacle placed in our way because why? He is our creator. Our children as well as we ourselves grew tremendously as a result of this. Parents, every single parent in here all children, what's left out of all? None. Right, all children are a gift from God. Stand strong and expect and look forward to his wink. And always remember, turn to Psalm 139.16 or jot it down. Psalm 139.16, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were appointed for me, when as yet there was not one of them even taking shape. So God knows every single thing that you may be growing through at the moment, but he's already taken care of it for you. You just have to believe him. There is no way that I could think for one moment <laughs> that God does not love me. <laughs> I have two many experiential building blocks to stand on where he has brought me through over and over again. That is why I say with confidence that no one takes care of me better than God. Now I want you to see something else. Turn with me to Isaiah 54. Oh, I got to hurry up. Oh, this is real important. You got to see this. Okay, so if I need five more minutes, are you going to let me take them? Okay, good. Turn with me to Isaiah 54 and we're going to look at Verse 17 out of the New King James Version. And you guys already know this, where it says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. Okay, so you already know this translation, great. Um, I wanna share it with you out of the message. When you get a chance, read it out of the Amplified, because the Amplified gives you the qualifiers. But the message explains it in a way that I really want you to listen to, because especially if you are in the midst of a storm, right now you may feel exactly how this explains it. And it starts actually Isaiah, 54 verse 11 in the message because you know how the message has they do verses a little different so anyway it says afflicted city 
storm-battered, unpitied. That's how some of us feel sometimes in the midst of a storm. I'm about to rebuild you with stones of turquoise, lay your foundations with sapphires, construct your towers with rubies, your gates with jewels, and all your walls with precious stones. That right there got my attention, okay? All your children will have God for their teacher. What a mentor for your children. You'll be built solid, grounded in righteousness, far from any trouble, nothing to fear, far from terror. It won't even come close. If anyone attacks you, don't for a moment suppose that I sent them. And if anyone should attack, nothing will come of it. Check this out. I create the blacksmith who fires up his forge and makes a weapon designed to kill. I also create the destroyer. But no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. Any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. This is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it that everything works out for the best, God's decree. That is letting us know unequivocally that he's got our back. He is taking care of every detail. Now, this is something I want you to think about because we've all heard these phrases. And this is pushing the envelope, but I'm going to do it. Have you ever heard the expression executive privilege? Okay. Have you ever heard, you know, police privilege? Have you ever heard white privilege? Okay. Now, we live in a time, I know this is sensitive, but... Pick me, I'm the one who gets to push the envelope. These are terms that we hear all the time. But this is what I want you to check out. Many of us have heard these terms so much, okay? And if you turn on the TV, oh my goodness, do you hear it constantly, that we start to have faith for it, okay? And here's especially, see, I come from, my husband, comes from a West Indian background. And people who grew up in the West Indies, believe me, they came from Africa, deposited in the West Indies, but they were still able to keep a lot of their culture, a lot of the things that they know, and they grew a certain strength in who they were. Those of us who came over and were deposited in the South, that was not the case. We were stripped of everything, and what we had to do was take care of all the people and the massa and all the rest of the stuff on the plantation. I grew up in a southern home, okay? There is a difference in that I have cousins to this day. If I go down south, we'll still, if they look up at somebody that they feel is an executive or a police officer or white, we'll look like this and talk to them. Now, in 2019, they will still do it because faith cometh by hearing. It doesn't matter. It's not always, we say faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is true. But faith cometh by hearing with whatever it is that you're hearing. So if you're having somebody always tell you that you are a second class citizen, you start to believe it. You don't want to say that you're believing it, but I'm telling you, you are believing it. You will go for a job and there could be you an Asian person, an Indian person, whatever. You will sit there, and if it's a tech job and it's an Asian person, you count yourself out because you're like, okay, they already got that. Okay? If it's somebody who is Caucasian, you automatically think they're going to look at that person before they look at me. Again, these are things people are going to talk about, but that's why I got the job. Because the point is, we can't do that. Why can't we do that? Because we have been bought and paid for with a price, the blood of Jesus. You need to adjust your thinking and look at yourself with kingdom privilege. When you walk into a room, you are walking to, into a room with the entire Godhead within you. I don't give a care what anybody tells you. You need to understand that. You need to see that. And until you do, it's very hard for you to see the winks that God is giving to you all the time because you still are looking at it like I was saved too, like an afterthought. If no one else in the earth realm existed, he would have sent his son just for you. But you've got to see that. You've got to own that. You've got to know that. It is so important that you do. You've got to. 
You're not part of just the, me too, I take the scraps off the master's table. No, you sit at the table, not as a guest, but as family. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Now the next and last thing that I'm gonna share happened this past September when my mother-in-law transitioned to be with the Lord. It was a challenging time, in fact, for our entire family, of course, because we, we would miss her. We're gonna miss spending time with her. You know, different things. Now, notice I said transition. This is so important because there are many people who have gone through losses right now, recently. One thing I will say to you, if you're a member here, we have a podcast available to you that you can get teaching. God gave me a wink before all this happened and I didn't recognize it. We taught a series on Thursday night Bible study called The Story of Heaven. That was a wink for my entire family because teaching that set me where I needed to be for this particular time in my life. And anybody who's going through bereavement, you get a hold of that message. It has nothing to do with me, it's the word that was brought forth in that message. Because then, the person who's transitioned, you can have nothing but joy in knowing that they didn't have to wait a second to receive their crown of righteousness and they are in fellowship with Jesus. There is nothing that you can be sad about with that. Yes, death is foreign to us because it never should have happened the way that it did. We can thank Adam for that, but whatever. But the point is, they're in a far better place as long as they believed, okay? And I knew my mother-in-law believed for sure. So therefore, I knew she was in a better place. But here's where my challenge came in. Me being this person who wanted to help out because she lived in Florida, we had to have a service in Florida, we had to have something up here in New York, and you know, and she had three children, Stan being one of them, and I was like, okay, well how can I help, Lord? Sometimes you wanna say, why you just don't say anything? <laughs> why do you wanna help? I said I would do the eulogy. Now, anybody who really knows me, and a lot of you would not know this, I uh, usually avoid any type of celebration of life, memorials, I, it's not my thing. I, I just try to avoid them. So for me to say that, I'm like, really? I said, well, Lord, we're gonna have to work this out. <laughs> so he reminded me of Philippians 4.13, which all of you know, so you can jot it down. I'm just gonna share it with you out of the Amplified because it says, I can do all things which he has called me to do. That's the key, which he has called me to do. Through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who fuses me with inner strength and confident peace. And I stood on that as I said, <laughs> and as I wrote this eulogy. But there was a lot, you know, because here was the thing. I kept thinking, okay, if I'm gonna say the eulogy, because in New York I knew that's when the bulk of the family and friends were gonna be there, and I'm like, suppose I don't get what I need to get across correctly. I'll be disappointing my husband, I'll be disappointing his sisters, I'll be disappointing her family. You know, and that was, you know, I was like, starting to feel that weight, but then I was like, wait a minute, Lord, you gave me this. So if, it, if I get up there and it doesn't sound right, it's on you, <laughs> okay? Because I gave it my best by making myself available. Because I say that all the time, we just have to make ourselves available. But I gotta tell you, I really kinda wanted another wink, okay? I really did. And God delivered it. We got there that morning, we got out of the car to go into the, the funeral home, and who do I see but Jillian Hamilton? <laughs> and I turn around, and who do I see but Miss Karen? and Miss Marie, and so many of the members who I can't, I would be up here all day mentioning, that was my wink, because my family was there, and it gave me the undergirded strength to go forward and do what I needed to do. But here was the best part, the other wink, was somebody accepted Christ that day at the altar call. That was a huge wink. And I was like, thank you, Lord. The point is, he hears everything. He knows your heart. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're thinking. Don't 
ever think he doesn't. And don't ever think that he's not there waiting to give you that wink. I want you to meditate on moving forward. What I want you to meditate on is that our Father has set the banquet table for us to come and dine. The entire Godhead is present at the table. They're always with us, for they dwell within us as believers. We just have to adjust the way that we think about our relationship with God and remember that he loves us and only wants his best for us. That is why he sent his son. Jesus assured us that no matter what we face in the earth realm, he's already taken care of it for us. Turn with me to John 16, 33. And because of time, I'm going to read it out of my favorite translation, which is the Amplified Classic Edition. Not the Amplified, but the Amplified Classic Edition. And it says, I have told you these things, and this is Jesus speaking to us, okay? I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. Here's the qualifier. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. That to me says it all. I don't give a care what you are currently facing or what storm may arise in your life. You can have complete confidence in the God whom we serve. And turn with me to Romans 8. Of course, this is another one of my favorite scriptures. Verses 37 through 39, I'm going to share it out of the message. And it says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger the one who died for us, who raised us, who raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us? Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, unthinkable or thinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. So take your seat, people, family, pull up a chair, take your seat at the banquet table with your head held high as you fellowship with the most high God as he intended. And while you are seated there, seek his face and look for your very own wink from God. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.